Well, let's open up our Bibles to the Gospel of John. We're going to be looking at chapter 20 today, verses 1 through 18. John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloths, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Thus ends our reading of God's life-giving word. Christ is risen. Let's try that again. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. The question that Jesus asked, whom are you seeking? Whom are you seeking? Whom are you seeking? This question is posed to you as well this fine Easter morning. Whom are you seeking? There are many different reasons that people come to church on Easter morning. For, for some of you, you, you come here every Sunday, and so this, this Sunday is just like any other. You're, you're here to worship your king. Others of you are visiting family members, and so you're here simply because this is their church, right? And so you're Easter plans are revolving around them. And then there are a few of you who are here who, who were invited by a friend. 
And so, so you came perhaps out of peer pressure. Maybe you were nagged into coming. I don't know. Perhaps you're just curious and wanted to see for yourself. But I'm willing to guess that there, there are a few of you that are here today because you truly are looking for someone. You want to know more about this Jesus. You are, you are looking for answers concerning this man who, who claimed to be God. You want to know who he is and, and what he has done. And thus the question, whom are you seeking? It was just a week prior to the empty tomb that this Jesus was being lauded and, and praised by the people with shouts of Hosanna as he was entering into his city, into Jerusalem. The people thought that Jesus was their Messiah and that he would take the throne of David and rescue them from their enemies. A lot can happen within a week. Many who had cheered this man on had now turned their backs upon him. And on Friday morning, they, instead of crying out, Hosanna, they were, they were now shouting, Crucify! Crucify! The chief priests and the Pharisees finally got their way, and this Jesus had been strung up on a cross. And as Caiaphas, the high priest, had prophesied, this, this one man died so that the whole nation would not perish. Now when Caiaphas had said these words, he was thinking about the Romans. But the Romans were not the real threat. You, you see, the, the, the death of Jesus was not carried out to appease some earthly political party. No, for, for, for we know that, that Pilate found no fault in this Jesus. He, he was not worried about this, this man leading a rebellion against Rome. In fact, the, the only reason that Pilate allowed Jesus to be crucified was because he, he feared that these religious leaders would be the ones who would start up a riot. Look, look at John chapter 19, verse 12. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. And so as you can see, the, the, the death of Jesus was not brought about to appease any earthly power. Rather, the reason for his death was something different altogether. It was to satisfy the wrath of God Almighty. Listen to the words of our Lord. Look at, look at John chapter 12, verses 27 through 33. Now is my soul troubled. And, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus answered, This voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the, will the ruler of this world be cast out. 
And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. God forsook his own son to be beaten and to be nailed to a cross in order to pay the penalty for the sins of mankind. In order to pay the penalty for your sins. Dear friends, it is only through the death of Jesus that you can find forgiveness with God. It is only in His name, in the name of Jesus, that you can have eternal life. And this is why Jesus had to die. So that you might live. But death on a cross is not the end of the story, is it? No. For from John's Gospel, we, we find out as well that, that, that Joseph of Arimathea received permission from Pilate to bury Jesus' body. And so he and a, and a Pharisee named Nicodemus wrapped Jesus in a burial cloth and laid him in a, in a new tomb. Look at John chapter 19, verses 40 through 42. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Now, now these tombs were much, much different than what we see in our modern graveyards. Pe people didn't dig holes in the ground. Rather, tombs like this, they were cut out out of a stony side of a cliff. And, and the chamber of this tomb would have been large enough for a person to walk right in. Needless to say, it would have taken a lot of work to prepare such a burial place. And so only a rich man could afford a grave like this. And yet now we see that this grave was being used for the body of our Lord. After Jesus had died, they, they had taken him down from that cross. They then wrapped his body in the linen cloths surrounded him with the spices, and then laid him upon a carved-out bench inside that tomb. And once he was inside, they then rolled a, a great and heavy stone over that entrance in order to seal the body within, keeping it safe from, from animals and from thieves. And so the body of our Lord was secure. It was sealed by this stone slab, Nobody was getting in, and nobody was getting out. Now, the other thing that we should notice from this account is, is that this tomb was in the midst of a garden. And this, this wasn't a, a garden that you would typically think of either. No, it, for this garden would have been more like an orchard, full of fruit-bearing trees, providing shade and refreshment to those who came to it. And so this, this grave was in a place of both solace and rest. 
a place of life and abundance. And yet in these large gardens, there was much work to be done as well. And so often a gardener would be hired to tend to its care. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I find it very, very fitting that our, our Lord's tomb would be within a garden. I mean, after all, it was in a garden where all our troubles began, was it not? Where, where Adam took a bite of that fruit, where, where sin and death entered into our world. And so what, what better place to see such troubles be done away with than in a garden? And this brings us to our text for today. Fast forward to Sunday morning and we see Mary Magdalene, a, a disciple of Jesus, going to that tomb. Look at, look, look at chapter 20, verses 1 and 2. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. An empty tomb, and the only thing that Mary sees is trouble. I mean, seriously, how, how, how could this possibly be a good thing? Who, who would take his body? And, and what did they want with it once they had it? What would they do with it? Haven't they already done enough? In this time of crisis, Mary ran to get help. She didn't even consider the possibility that, that, that Jesus could be alive. She, she just wanted the body to be returned in order that she might mourn the death of her Lord and try to find peace. Let's see what happens next. Look at, look at verses 3 through 7. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloths, cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. When, the, when these two disciples heard the news that the tomb was empty, they wasted no time in, in checking things out for themselves. John tells us that they, they ran to Jesus' grave as fast as they could. And when they got there, they, they found it just as Mary had said. The body was gone, and all that, were, that was left were the burial garments. Now, as perplexing as this was, there were some questions that needed answered. I mean, first, who, who could move such a, a massive stone? Second, why would someone take the body and, and leave behind the burial cloths? And finally, what, what reason would a person have to take the body in the first place? And these are all valid questions to ask 
But, uh, but I think these disciples had something else on their mind as well. Something that Jesus spoke to them in the past. Look at, look at John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18. Listen to the words of our Lord. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. You see, Jesus not only told his disciples about his impending death, but, but on numerous occasions he told them that he would rise from the dead as well. Perhaps they didn't get the message. Perhaps they, they didn't understand beforehand. Maybe they thought it was some type of metaphor that Jesus was speaking. Something that he would explain to them later on. But now what, what had to be going through their minds was, was this possibility that, that Jesus had not used vague language but that what he had said was absolutely true. That he truly did have the authority to take up his life. That he truly did have the power to rise from the dead. And now here they were standing in this grave and all the evidence was pointing to the fact that that was exactly what had happened. That Jesus had risen. Look, look at verses 8 and 9. Back, back in chapter 20. Look, look at him once again. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. An empty tomb. Confusion as to why. And yet we are told that, that John, this disciple whom Jesus loved, that he believed. The, the, the rolled away stone, the, along with the missing body, as well as the, the, the folded up burial garments. This was enough for this man to believe his master's words. To believe that Jesus is alive. That Jesus has risen just as he said. But as we'll soon see, Mary did not yet understand. For she would remain by that tomb looking for answers. She, she would stay by that grave seeking the dead. Look at, look at verses 10 and 11. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. Both disciples had now fled the scene, but Mary was left all alone. She did not want to leave that grave. And so she stood there weeping. I mean, as, as if the grief of the death of her Lord wasn't enough, now someone had come along and, and desecrated his tomb by taking his body away. There's pain. In Mary's heart. 
how long she stood there, we, we just don't know. But, but as anyone who has lost a loved one can attest, time seems to lose all meaning when you're around death. It's like walking in a dream. Everything is strange. Everything's surreal. And yet time eventually has to move forward. And Mary finally woke from her trance. Somehow she reached down deep within and, and stirred once again. Look at our next verses. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. Mary wasn't alone. Who were these men dressed in white? And where did they come from? For, for they were not there a moment ago. John tells us that they were angels. But Mary didn't know this yet. Could, could, could they be the ones who had something to do with the absence of her master's body? Maybe she should ask them. And yet before she could even get a word out, they spoke to her. Look, look at verse 13. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Woman, why are you weeping? Woman, why are you weeping? Now, I have been to many funerals over the years, and I have yet to go to one where no one was crying. And that's because death brings about a, a sadness that we cannot escape. People tend to want to cling on to the past because they, they know that their future will never be the same. For tomorrow now holds a void that cannot be ignored. Perhaps this was the reason that Mary didn't want to leave that tomb. I mean, how could she move forward unless the past was buried? And they have taken away her Lord, and in so doing, they have taken away her opportunity to heal. And unless he would be returned, unless Jesus' body was brought back to that tomb, then she was stuck. She was frozen in time. Let me ask you a question. How have you dealt with your losses? How have you dealt with the deaths that are in your life? Are you stuck in the past, unable to move forward? Do, do your times of sorrow outweigh your times of joy? When you see death, are you without hope, thinking that this is it, this is the end, that there is nothing else? Dear friends, without hope, a, a person can get mired in the past, holding on to things that are already gone. But 
Christ. Christ shows us a way to move forward. He, he, he brings to you a hope that is greater than death's misery. And this is what we'll see as our story continues. Look at, look at verses 14 and 15. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Maybe her eyes were blurred due to all her tears. Maybe the impossibility that Jesus could be alive prevented Mary from, from seeing her Lord. Whatever the case, Mary was still blind to the truth. And yet Jesus posed to her a, a question. In fact, it was the same question that the, that, that the angels had asked her. Woman, why are you weeping? Oh, if, if Mary could have seen who it was who was asking this question, her, her weeping would have turned into joy. But she did not see, and so she was asked a different question. Whom are you seeking? Jesus now gets to the heart of the matter. You see, he, he knew exactly what was causing Mary's grief. For she was looking for someone who could not be found. She, she was seeking for someone who, who, whom she would not discover, particularly on that morning. And that's because she was looking for someone who was dead. Let's see how she answered her Lord's question. Look at, look at the end of verse 15. Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. You can almost hear the anguish in Mary's voice. The, the dead body of her Lord had consumed her thoughts. She wanted to find Jesus and to put him to rest. And she wouldn't be able to move forward until that was done. And yet, she was searching for the dead among the living. Dear friends, I, I, I hope you see the irony in all of this. The, the, the very one whom she hoped to find was standing right before her, and yet she thought he was a gardener. She still could not see. She was too caught up in, in looking for the dead that she was unable to see the living. Listen, this, this question that our Lord asked of Mary is a question for you as well. Whom are you seeking? Whom are you seeking? Who is it that you're looking for? I mean, why did you come to church today? Who is this Jesus that you seek? Was he just a man who was buried in some tomb? 
Just a, a, a pile of bones that, that, that are kept safely hidden away? Or is he more than that? Is he the one who has defeated death? Is he that risen Savior who brings victory over sin and the devil? Is he the God-man who is alive and well? This one who is seated in his heavenly throne, ruling over all creation even today? Whom are you seeking? This question that was before Mary is the same question that is before you. Dear friends, you may spend your life searching for answers. You may go to great lengths trying to find meaning. But you will always come up empty until you see the risen Christ. And the good news for Mary is that, it, that this is exactly who she saw. Or rather, whom she heard. In, in a moment of time, in a, in a hair of a fraction of a second, Mary no longer sought a dead man because she heard his voice. Yes, with a, a single word, everything changed. Look at, look at verse 16. Jesus said to her, Mary. Jesus said to her, Mary. Just one word was needed. One word from the mouth of our Lord and the, and the scales that had been covering her eyes were now gone. And that word was her very name, Mary. By simply calling out that name, Jesus had woken this woman from her slumber. She was no longer blind. She saw who was before her. The risen Christ. Look at John chapter 10 verses 3 and 4. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He has brought out all his own. He goes before them and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. This word that has become flesh now spoke the name of Mary and she knew his voice. She knew his voice and she went to him. Look at, look at the end of verse 16. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. The, those tears of sorrow have now turned into tears of gladness as this woman affectionately cries out, Rabboni. The, the sting of death has, has been overcome by the joy of the resurrection. 
Mary was no longer looking for the dead. Rather, she was clinging to life incarnate. Let me ask you, if Jesus called you by your name, would you recognize his voice? If he was standing before you, would you know who he is? You see, the, the only true path from death to life is through Jesus. And unless you know his voice, you will remain blind to the life that he brings. Brothers, sisters, when, when, when one is confronted by death, the, the voices of sorrow and loss have the power to overwhelm a person. And many, many today are walking around with no hope at all. They see death as final, that there is nothing more. But Christ has risen from the grave. Death could not hold him. And it is through his victory that those who are his, that those who know his voice can be assured of their own victory. And this is why the Apostle Paul could confidently say, but in fact Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. This, this is your hope. This is what Christ has done for you. He brings victory. He brings life. And this, my friends, should bring you great joy. Whom are you seeking? Stop looking for the dead and turn to Christ. Trust in him, and he will call you by your name. But our story doesn't end in, in simple trust, for Jesus gives instruction as well. Instruction for all who seek after him and listen to his voice. Look, look at our last two verses. Look at verses 17 and 18. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. After the resurrection, Jesus' time on earth would be short. He, he would soon ascend to his Father where, where he would rule upon his heavenly throne. And so he commanded Mary to go and to, to, to tell the good news. Now that she had believed, she must become that, that first witness. 
And that is exactly what she did. She saw Peter and John and all of the other disciples and, and told them, I have seen the Lord. Is there any better news to proclaim than that? I have seen the Lord. Dear friends, if, if you have found this risen king, or, or rather should I say, if this risen king has found you, then, then like Mary, you are to go into the world and to give testimony to what you have seen. That Jesus is alive and well, and that by believing in him, one may have life in his name. For there are many souls who are out there today whom you can ask the question, whom are you seeking? Who is it that you are looking for? And the command of Christ is to point them to him. You are to introduce them to Jesus. You are to introduce them to your risen king. Let us pray. Father, we are so, so grateful for your son. We are grateful for the gift that he has given to us. Not only did he die for our sins, but then he rose from the dead, bringing victory to all who put their trust in him, to all who turn away from their wicked ways and believe in this risen Lord. This is our hope. That one day we too will rise from the dead. That we will have life eternal in your presence. Guide us, we pray, by your Holy Spirit as we turn from death unto life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.